This is The Furnace with John Burton. All right, so there's all this talk going on that the Super Bowl halftime show was immoral. Now, I can go one of two ways with this podcast because the Super Bowl had two interesting elements. The immoral halftime show and then also the Bob Jones prophecy about revival breaking out when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I'm not going to talk about that, but I'm going to give you just a very quick little something to think about. People are getting all bent out of shape about that and they're saying it's ridiculous that revival would hinge on a football game and they're so missing it. They're just not getting it at all. The way it works, let's suppose his prophecy is true. I'm not saying it's true. There's a lot of very crazy things that he has prophesied that have come true. But let's say it is true. It's not that God is sitting up there in heaven rooting for the Chiefs. Oh, I hope, I hope, I hope they win. I hope they practiced hard enough. I hope they win because I want revival to break out. Oh, please, please, please. That's not how it works. God has known from, you know, since the beginning of time that the Chiefs would win the Super Bowl. And so all he's doing is providing a signpost for people to understand his timeline. That's all it is. And we see this in scripture all over the place, right? You know, when Israel becomes a nation again, we're supposed to pay attention to that. When there are earthquakes, famines, pestilence, right? When people's love starts growing cold. There, there are, there are uh, throughout scripture, we see things like that. To where, so when this happens, pay attention. It's, it's all it's saying. When this happens, pay attention. And further, prophecy is a catalyst of faith, a catalyst for faith. And so when, when there's prophecy, faith increases for some, for some people, scrutiny increases, but I'm talking about like legit lovers of God who embrace the prophetic, all right? So when prophecy comes, faith increases. And yes, I know there's all sorts of goofy, crazy prophecy out there. I get that. You got to sort it out, sort it out. But when, when prophecy comes, faith increases and then things happen. So it's not a football game that is the trigger of revival. It's faith. So that's how that works. All right. Now let's get on to the point of this particular podcast. And that's talking about the immorality of the Super Bowl halftime show. All right, I want to ask you a question. You got to listen to the rest of this podcast or read the article. I wrote an article. It's at burton.tv/articles. That's that's where it, that's where it lives. And if you can't see it there, if the, if you're listening to this podcast well into the future, search for this title: "Unfair to the Unredeemed?" Question mark. Abortion, gay rights, and other cultural issues they simply cannot understand. That's the title of this article. Search for it there, and you can find it. Um, so here's the question. Why, why is this, why would you consider the Super Bowl halftime show to be immoral? Why? Okay. A better question, because I think you as a believer, you can answer that. A better question. Who says it's immoral? Who makes the determination? Because there are people out there that say it's not immoral. 
Who are you to say that it is and someone else to say it, that, that it isn't? Who makes you the winner? You would say God, okay? They don't believe in God or they have a different view of God. Your version of God, okay, your version of God. Who's to say your version of God is correct? You gotta, you gotta track with me here. Of course, I believe in the God of the Bible. I believe, you do too, I think. If, if you're in a, a, a Christian, right, you believe that. The point I'm making is those who don't know Jesus have a completely different or sometimes even a non-existent existent, uh, moral compass. Completely different. And so what happens is now we are simply fighting belief system versus belief system. We believe we're right, they believe they're right. And we need to understand that those who don't know Jesus are at a massive disadvantage. They cannot understand things the way that you and I do. They can't, it can't happen. And guess what? Before you knew Jesus, the same was true. Before I knew Jesus, same was true. And so those who don't know Jesus just can't be expected to act the same, the same way that we do or to believe the same way that we do because they are gaining all of their insight via their intellect or their emotions by what is humanly tangible. We don't. So let's talk about this just a little bit. So you can think about pornography, homosexuality, lust, greed. You can talk about all sorts of things. Of course, we believe that it's not only wrong, but destructive. Lusting makes life bad. Pornography makes life bad. Homosexuality makes life bad. And trusting in God's wisdom makes life phenomenal. It's amazing. But again, those who don't know Jesus are driven by their emotions. They're driven by their intellect. The Bible tells us not to lean on our own understanding because we're finite humans. We can't understand the deeper things. It's just reality. Okay? However, they, those who don't know God, they do. And they elevate those feelings and those thoughts and those beliefs to, to the level of truth. It's how they function. It's how they live in the world. And, you know, it's, so, you know, so we see this, this holy war between belief systems that's just kind of raging. And we see it in politics all the time. Right? We, you, got the, you got the one side who is believe in this way and the other side believe in that way and it's it's this it's this war that honestly can only be fought at the intellectual level it can't it can't be fought at other levels it just simply can't you know and and so but you know th- think about abortion for example so we as christians believe that god created babies and gave them a human spirit at the time of conception and they deserve protection as humans. That's what we believe. Those who don't believe in God or don't believe in the God, the, in God the way we do or believe in some different God, they don't believe that. They do not believe it. So they believe that a baby's not a baby. There's no spirit involved. It's not human until he's born. And so their argument is we can, we can eliminate the baby for the sake of someone who is a human, meaning the mother. And in their minds, it makes sense. In our minds, it's horrifying. But in their minds, it 
makes sense. Again, you got to understand, I'm not arguing for immorality. These are all destructive things, but they don't know that. They don't believe that. They don't agree with that. Okay? They don't get it. They can't get it. They can't understand it. It's not really possible. It's 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 possible for them to, you know, can we sway someone intellectually or even emotionally? It can happen, but it's not they're not going to be swayed for the reasons that we have been swayed or the reasons we have been convinced. They're just there's just they're just going they're they're relying on intellect. And they could come right back and use another intellectual argument to make a stand for whatever they believe. And now I'll say this. I believe that outside of God, that we there's limited tools in the tool belt. So now we now we have to rely on intellectualism or on emotional persuasion or or these types of debate methods to win the fight. You know, we have to rely on the courts, for example, with the, the abortion issue. And I mean, um, we rely on the courts for we you know laws and these types of things. And and so so since we can't invoke the God card. What do we do? We have to use whatever tool is in our tool belt. Tool belt. So is it appropriate for us as Christians to fight for the unborn via the court system? Yes. Via, uh, um, you know, voting in the right people that will get us the right Supreme Court justices and all that. Yeah, it's appropriate. It's definitely appropriate. Is it appropriate to, uh, uh, to pray outside of a, a, a abortion uh, cl- clinics, of course, to make that stand. It'd be easier to pray in our churches, but it's good to get outside and, and to do that. And so, so yeah, we use whatever tool is in our tool belt, but let me just real quickly, and again, I encourage you to read this article. Um, yeah, you know, let me real quickly share with you some things, some reasons rather, why the unredeemed are at a disadvantage. Okay. Number one, uh, they would say that they're born this way. You know, they hear that all the time with homosexuality. They're born this way, um, where we understand the concept of being born again. So they're, they, they're saying, well, I'm born this way. Well, there might be something to their argument because we're born into sin, right? And so, so there's, a, there's a momentous occasion that comes after we are born that results in a new life, in, in transformation. Okay, so they don't understand that. They have no clue. They have no grid for that. So they simply believe they're born that way, and that's the end of the story. There's nothing that can be done. There's no counseling. There's, there's none of that that can help. And for them, they feel like they are less than for the, uh, when, the, when, when people try to um, diminish what they would call their identity. And so can we battle that issue in the courts, can we, bat, you know, same-sex marriage and all that? Yeah, we can. But are we truly convincing those who are homosexuals? No, we're not. Okay, so they don't have the concept of being born again. Before being born again, all of us were really in love with our sin, right? And our identities were very different than what they are now. But when the Spirit of God invades us, overtakes us, things change. Okay, the next one. Again, the article has a lot more info. I'm going to make this small or, or short, rather. Um, 
Next one, no relief. They have no relief from anxiety, fear, and depression outside uh, again of intellectual, emotional, psychological um, methods. So they are completely limited to counseling, uh, positive thoughts, drugs, medications, and all too often suicide. That's the answer for those who don't know God. And those who do know God can do a whole lot to alleviate anxiety. For example, praying in the spirit. Huge. Mega. I mean, that, that's, that's probably the greatest tool for alleviating fear, anxiety, and depression. Um, I do want to make a point. And I actually edited the article after a friend um, brought up a point that is valid. This, and I think it's important that I mention that also here in the podcast. Uh, so the question would be, can Christians also be in need of counseling and medical care? Um, including the administration of appropriate medications to help deal with chemical imbalances and other physiological, emotional difficulties? So the answer is yes, absolutely. So, so I, I, that, that point needs to be made. So it's on a foundation of God, on a foundation of faith, that we start this process of healing, and that can include other types of care. The problem is that those who, those who don't know God are completely limited, 100%, to medicine and counseling and happy thoughts. And so they have no ability. They can't break off their anxiety. They can't, they, they can't fully break it off, I'll tell you that, because God alone is the one who brings us that abundant life. So, so, so the reason I'm sharing these things is to, so you can have a heart of compassion for these people. You know, you look at the Super Bowl halftime show and, and I, I was watching the Super Bowl and on comes the show and then I'm like, oh my gosh, what in the heck is that? Is my, I'm like, that shouldn't be. And so, um, I just started working on my computer instead of watching that. And, but the, but the reality is, is the performers and J-Lo and the others and everybody, the dancers and everybody, the, the decision makers, Pepsi, the, you know, who sponsored the halftime show and everybody involved. Those who are making these decisions or performing in that manner, they just don't know God. They have no ability to understand these things that we're talking about. So we need to pray for them and understand them. Okay, the next one real quick. They have no peace. The Bible says that we have peace that passes all understanding, but those, those in the world, their peace is dependent on understanding. So it's completely different. They have peace when things make sense, generally speaking, right? Or when they just give up, hopefully to find some sort of peace just by giving up. And, but we have peace knowing that God is in control and it's real peace. It's not some, you know, uh, uh, psychological, emotional you know, mind game kind of thing. We really have it. We really have peace. They don't. Okay, next one. They don't experience the presence of God. Everybody, the, the thought of not having that constant burning of God's Holy Spirit inside is enough to make me shudder. Yet they don't have it ever. They never have the presence of God ever. The glory of God, the anointing, never. They never, ever have that. And then, so they live completely outside of that. And so they're living way uh, in, in, in a way where there's no fullness, there's no life, there's no presence of God. Uh, here's one, get this. They have never experienced love. They may have experienced infatuation, uh, desire, um, um, admiration, all sorts of things like that. Uh, you know, 
but not love. Attraction, not love, right? Lust, not love. Because love is the one experience they cannot have outside of Jesus. So all of those who are, you know, back in the 70s, it was all about free love. They, they, they just never experienced it. They never did. Here we're hearing about, uh, uh, you know, love and tolerance. They've never experienced it. Literally, have never experienced love, ever. Why? Because God is love. He is the defining factor. He is, he is the definition of love. And without experiencing God, they can't experience love. And that should cause you just to be wrecked. They've never experienced love. And so there's all of these counterfeits that they're buying into. And it's, it's insanity that that's a reality. They've never experienced love. Okay, next one, they have no access to supernatural, supernatural wisdom. They, they, have, they have none. They're limited by their own logic and human ability to reason. That's it. They have no resource beyond their own abilities or the abilities of others to understand. Uh, to, uh, to understand. They have no ability. And they can't. They have, they have no scriptures. They have no prophetic um, influence in their life. If they're, and, and, of course, there are many out there who, in, who are into the demonic, and so they're getting all sorts of demonic wisdom. So that's, they have no supernatural godly wisdom at all. They don't have it. And so they're completely dependent on their own faculties to make decisions to live. You know, um, you know, think about this. They would argue that getting drunk, for example, is fine as long as you don't get behind the wheel of a car. It makes sense to them. But Christians, they have no need to attempt to wrap their minds around that topic. Why? Because God says don't get drunk. He's much wiser than we are, so we buy in wholesale to what he says. And that makes life better. So we, we trust God, we do what he says. Because we have access to greater wisdom than what the world has. All right, the next one, happiness is their only hope, meaning no joy, no joy. They have, you know, we all have the right to pursue happiness in our nation, but that's the limit for those who don't love and serve Jesus. That's it. They have no joy. Joy only comes through the Lord. No joy. And so, so their happiness is dependent on their circumstances, but joy is not. That's why they're continually pursuing fame and fortune and, and materialism and you know, wealth and fill in the blank. And why? Because they, happiness only comes through whatever is meaningful to them. But joy comes regardless for those who know the Lord. They don't have it. They have no joy. Uh, they live outside the realm of miracles. Wow. They have no hope of relief from life's woes unless mankind can come up with a solution. They're dependent and desperate and all too often hopeless. But believers in Christ live, live in the realm of miracles every single day. Healings and wonders and signs and breakthroughs and prophetic revelation and so much more. But the, 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 the lost, they're feverishly doing all they can to avoid or avert dire circumstances. And, they, and they're using their own abilities. And that's, that's their limit. I hope you can see the, the, the unbelievable dire situation, the, the hopelessness, the, the, the tragedy that is a life outside of God. It's terrible. So we need to have compassion. Um, the next one, they have no reason not to sin. Why not? You know, the, 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 the line that is not to be crossed um, is as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, it's okay. If it's legal, it's okay. 
And so, so that's the world's, you know, definition of, of righteousness. But beyond that, no reason not to sin. You can sin as much as you want. You can, you, it doesn't matter as long as you're not hurting anybody at all. And, and so, so that's, that's the law to them. You know, the Bible says, 1 John 3, 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So the Bible has a different definition of what is legal. And Christians understand how destructive sin is, which is why we embrace consecration and, re- and repentance. We know that sin kills, even if we don't understand why it kills. Why? Because we, we don't define what is morally legal. God does. So, so the world, you know, the halftime show, they saw nothing wrong with it. The argument is it's not appropriate for children, you know, so they would have to, again, use that intellectual argument and they would have to battle that. But beyond that, no problem at all. Strip clubs, no problem at all for, for adults, you know, um, no problems. Drugs, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else in people's minds, not a sin. No problem. They don't even think it's a sin. There is no sin. It's fine. It doesn't hurt anybody else. Okay, and then the last one, they have no hope of a wonderful eternity. So every ounce of life must be experienced in a window of approximately 80 years to those who don't know Christ. That's it. The thought of preparing for eternity is nonsensical to them. And they have no hope. It's all done. It's all over. So we need, I believe, we as believers need to change our disposition. We need to... We need to understand that the world is at a massive disadvantage. I am not supporting unrighteousness. I'm not supporting sin. I'm not, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying ignore it. I'm not saying that at all. I think it's fully appropriate to make a stand and say, you know what? We as believers believe that halftime show was really um, damaging in a lot of different ways. I believe it's appropriate to say that. But to, for us to expect the lost to really understand at a deep level... It's just not going to happen. So the answer is them being born again. That's the answer. And when they, you know, and, and, you know, the moment one of these vile, wicked people truly find Jesus, they will turn on a dime and they'll renounce everything unrighteous that they previously supported. Because meeting Jesus does that to a person. That's what happens. And so... Just keep this in mind as you're looking out at the world, seeing all sorts of wickedness, and you know, judging really inappropriately. We need to understand that they just don't have the capacity. They can't pray in the spirit. They can't be free from from uh, uh, depression and anxiety and fear, and they they, they have no joy. They're just on and on and on and on. No presence of God, and that's the life that they've chosen. And it's the life they're living. And that's all they know. And unless they meet Jesus, that's all they'll ever know. Until they do enter into eternity. And it terrorizes them forever. So this is a big, big deal. And I think we need to um, maybe reconsider the way we look at others. All right. Thank you for listening to The Furnace with John Burton. You can access media, read articles, and partner with the ministry online at burton.tv. And by all means, share this podcast with those who are hungry for revival, reformation, and revolution. Revolution.